Yes. Well, I read a story this week about um, a preacher who got to experience sunrise at the garden tomb. And what he reflected on in the devotion that he wrote was, uh, you know, he was retired. He, he had pastored for, for many years. And he had preached many Easter's preached many sunrise services, many resurrection services, but it had always just been theory to him. But he stood there on the east side of Jerusalem and he watched the sun come up over a cemetery that we believe is where they buried the body. And all of a sudden it went from theory to fact, from idea to reality. And it was like he was there that day with the women when they first approached the tomb. <coughs> That's what each of us need to experience. Unfortunately, our faith is lived out um, where we know things about Jesus. We know a trivial information. We could win the game if we got to play uh, Jesus Jeopardy. But we've got to get to the point where it goes from trivia or just basic information or head knowledge to a point of a heart understanding. And we're going to do a little bit of an exposition and I want you to hear the invitation to see Him. Because what we need to experience at Easter is not more head knowledge, more, more actual uh, uh, information. We need to see Him. But let me start with, a, with an illustration. And it's okay to laugh. I know it's early in the morning, but uh, feel free. Um, in fact, if you laugh, I'll preach faster and be through quicker. And... Uh, there's a park in California, and the article I got this out of didn't tell me the name of the park. Tell the diesel truck to go on. Um, and in this park, there's a rope hanging with a rock tied to the bottom of the rope. And there's a sign beside it that says weather station. If you want to know the weather, check the rock. If the rock gets wet, it means it's raining. If the rock is swinging, it means it's windy. If the rock is dry, that means it's not raining. If you can't see the rock, that means it's foggy. And if the rock's been blown away, there was a tornado. So the message of the weather station is, if you want to know the weather, you check the rock. The message of Easter can be checked, uh, summed up in the same way. If you want to know the story of Easter, you check the rock. Now, I thought about that. Listen, and I got this, I don't know where I got all this, but anyway. If someone asks you if you're a Christian, no, if someone asks you why you're a Christian, you tell them to check the rock. If someone asks you what Easter is all about, you tell them to check the rock. See, that was an amen. Did you hear that, Rooster? <laughs> If someone asks you how Christianity is different from other religions, you tell them to check the rock. If someone asks you if Christianity is relevant for our life today, you tell them, check the rock. If someone asks you, is Jesus really God? Go check the rock. If someone asks you, is Jesus who He said He is? <laughs> Just go check the rock. If someone asks you, is G did Jesus really conquer death? Go check the rock. <laughs> All right, that rooster's going to have me tickled. If someone asks you, is Jesus alive today? You tell them, check the rock. 
And finally, if someone asks you, is he coming again? Go check the rock. Matthew 28, 10 verses, it reads like this. Now after the Sabbath, can you imagine the anxiety that, that the disciples were experiencing? First, the man they had put all their hopes and dreams in as the Jewish Messiah was dead and buried. I mean, they had sold their businesses. They had given up their property. They had walked away from family. They were forfeiting their whole future in the belief that, that Jesus of Nazareth, the carpenter's son, really was the long-awaited Jewish Messiah who was going to overthrow the Romans, kick out the Greeks, reestablish Israel as the greatest nation on earth, and set up this theocracy where God would rule through him like he did through King David. And, and they'd put all their dreams into this, this one idea, and now he is laying buried in a tomb. So you can imagine the stress that they were experiencing. Plus, they had to sit there for an entire day because on the Sabbath, they couldn't do anything. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't walk but 29 steps. If you walked 30 steps, you were working and the Pharisees would zap you, all right? So, so they're, they're going through this incredible anxiety. They're locked in this room. They're, there's great fear. Their dreams have been cr uh, crushed. And, and the fear is they're coming for us next. And, and they, they had seen Jesus scourged. They, didn't pro they probably did not see the actual process, but they saw him going through the streets carrying the cross. They had seen him literally shredded from head to toe. And they're thinking, we're next. Now John went to the, to the, to, to the crucifixion. The women went to the crucifixion. The, the cowardly disciples disappeared. But they watched the excruciating agony that Jesus went through and they're thinking, we're next. So the anxiety they were experiencing is just off the charts. And so they have sat through an entire Sabbath. Now it's Sunday. So Matthew continues, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Hey, where were the men? Asleep. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> No, they were cooking breakfast. No. <laughs> so Mary Magdalene, uh, Matthew identifies Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Luke identifies uh, another group, uh, an additional group of women. John just mentions Mary Magdalene. So the women go to the tomb. Verse 2. Behold, there was a great earthquake. Now, I don't know. I'm having to assume a lot because no, none of the four Gospels actually tell us. But the way it reads, the impression I get, and again, this is my impression, so take it with a grain of salt. My impression is the women actually got to the cemetery. They were at the tomb. And my, the picture in my mind that I envision, and this is just, just my imagination, because again, Scripture doesn't tell us, and I need to be careful here. My imagination says, they made it to the tomb, they're standing there staring at those Roman guards, they're wondering, how do we approach them? We're going to need their help. We can't move the stone. The stone's been sealed. Nobody is allowed by law to touch it, but we need it moved so we can get in and finish the job because the men did the burial process, and you know the men didn't do it right. So we need to get in there and finish it, but we don't know what to do. And while the women are standing there debating among themselves how to approach the Roman soldiers to get their help in moving the stone, God takes care of it for them. There was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and for good measure, sat on it. 
It's kind of like, okay, I took care of it for you. Just wanted you to know. Uh, God has this under control. You don't have to worry about it. God has a plan. He is working out His plan. It's all going to fall into place. You were all worried. What were you going to do when you got here? God had it under control. Isn't that the way life works? We worry. We fret. We ponder. We question. We debate. We rationalize. <laughs> While we're doing all that uh, mental gymnastics, God shows up and handles it for us. So, so the angel shows up. Now listen to his appearance. It was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. <clears throat> this angel shows up. He radiates. <clears throat> he glows. He, he's been around the throne of God, and the glory of God had singed him like it did Moses, and he glows. He's like lightning. Can you imagine if you took, I don't know how many angels there are, Scripture doesn't tell us, but let's, the millions of angels... If they all have this same white appearance, if they all glow with the same radiation that this one angel did, can you imagine what heaven looks like just being illuminated by the power of the angels and their white appearance? And think about this. What does Scripture say? What lights up heaven? It's the glory of God. So you've got millions of angels who radiate like lightning, and yet the glory of God supersedes everything all those angels can do together. Does that tell you how magnificent the glory of God actually is. And he's the one in charge. For his appearance is like lightning, his clothes white as snow. For fear of him, the Roman guards trembled and fell down like dead men. The angel said to the women who did not tremble and fall down like dead men. This is Women's Day. <laughs> he said, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Now, here, here's the whole ball of wax. The angel says, He is not here. He was here, but He's not here. Joseph and, and uh, Arimathea and Nicodemus put Him here, but He's no longer here. He was laid here, but he ain't here any longer. You know, he was a redneck angel, okay? <laughs> he is not here, for he has risen, as he said. As he said. You know, Christ repeatedly taught that he would be arrested, tried, beaten, crucified, buried, and rose. And the disciples never got it. They never got it. It, it just, they, they never understood it. Now, part of the reason was Jewish theology taught, and I'll talk about this in the, in the 1030 sermon, Jewish theology taught there would be one resurrection for all people at the end of time. Jewish theology taught when you die, your, bury, your body goes in the ground and it lays there for however long it takes for God to bring about the resurrection. And at the end of time, as He's ushering in eternity, he will, rise, he will raise everybody from the dead. But you're going to lay there until that point. So the idea that Jesus would only be dead for three days was just totally antithetical to anything they had ever learned in their Jewish theology classes. So that's part of it. Part of it also was the Jewish Messiah couldn't die. Their, their belief in Him as the Jewish Messiah precluded any belief that He could die. 
He was going to live forever. He was going to reign forever. The Jewish Messiah couldn't die. So every time Jesus tells them that He was going to die, it just went in one ear and out the other because it did not fit their presuppositions. Now here's my question. How often do we miss what the Word of God is actually trying to teach us because in our American Western Christianity, we have presuppositions that are not biblically accurate? You know, And we really have to be careful. We have to be really, really careful. Anyway. He is not here. He has risen. As he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly, tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. And here, there you will see him. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said to them, Greetings. It's like, is that all you got? You just rose from the dead and that, you know, should, should anyway. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. See me. The Apostle Paul was, uh, before he was the Apostle Paul, was Saul of Tarsus. And as Saul of Tarsus, he did everything he could to eradicate Christianity. He had heard the teachings. He knew what we claimed to be the truth. But he completely rejected anything he'd ever heard until what? He saw him. The disciples did not get the idea of the crucifixion and the resurrection until they saw Him. Jesus' invitation to us is to see Him. See, our faith is not a blind faith, but it is a faith. We will not see Him with our physical eyes, but we can see Him with the eyes of faith. And our invitation on Easter is to see Him, to experience Him. And what we have to do is we have to be careful that our Western Christianity doesn't blind us to what God is doing around us because what God is doing around us doesn't fit our natural Western presuppositions. If our mind is open to biblical truth, we will see biblical truth being acted in front of us and we will see what God is doing and we will see Him. And that experience of seeing Him will solidify the faith that we have begin to nurture. <clears throat> Alright, let me read your story and I'll be done. I'm going to read it because it reads better than I can tell it. There is a story of a young mother who escaped on the last train out of Poland during World War II. She had her firstborn toddler who was three and she was nursing a baby at the time. The train command came under severe attack many times as it tried to escape. A trip which would normally have taken only a few hours ended up taking a few days. The food ran out and salted all forms of liquid. When they finally arrived at their destination, the infant was starving and was very sick. A group of nuns took the baby to the nearby hospital to nurture it back to health. Their mother was relieved at the apparent reprieve. But her blessing was short-lived. That night, the hospital was attacked and bombed. She woke up the next day to the devastating news that the hospital had been leveled and her baby was missing. She went to the hospital and searchers gave her a flashlight to look for the infant's body. What a tragic scene this portrays. Death was everywhere. This, my friend, is the scene of Good Friday. Death all around us. Jesus is dead. The cries of his followers can be heard throughout Jerusalem. They are saying he is sealed in the tomb of death now. It all looks totally hopeless. Alright, so back to the story. Piles of rock and debris are everywhere. 
Under that rock is her infant son. In her eyes there, are, there is no hope. The word is he is dead. He is buried in tombs of rock and debris. Questions are racing through her mind. Why, God? Why did this happen? What did my little boy do to deserve this? She starts going through the what-ifs of life. What if I would not have let him go to the hospital? What if, what if, what if? The mother desperately roots to the rubble, moving away all the rocks looking for her dead, lifeless son's body. Remember, there are others all around crying with her, all because death and destruction has taken their children and loved ones' lives. She has watched as others pulled their lifeless loved ones from the rubble. She thinks there is no hope, only death and despair. Then she hears a cry. Could it be? She runs over to where the cry comes from. She rolls back the stone, and there in an air pocket under all the rubble is her son. He is alive. He is alive, she begins to yell. Pulling him from his tomb, she picks him up and holds him high in the air and then hugs him tightly. She is feeling an incredible surge of relief mingled with joy. All the questions she once had needed, uh, once uh, all the questions she once had need not be answered now. All the what-ifs no longer matter. All that she is concerned with is her baby is alive. And see, that is the story of Easter. He was dead, but now he's alive. <laughs> I like how Vody Bauckham says it. Friday dead, Sunday risen. Friday dead, Sunday risen. Friday dead, Sunday risen. Greatest event in human history. It gives us hope for the future. Because if Jesus rose, we will too. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a beautiful morning. We couldn't ask uh, for a more picturesque setting to gather this morning and to consider all the truth of the resurrection. And Father, our prayer is that we will see it, that we will comprehend it, that we will grasp every nuance of truth in it. Father, I, I pray that it will uh, so envelop and encase our lives that everything we do will be based off the truth and the hope that comes from the knowledge of the resurrection. Father, our prayer to the resurrection will so supersede every other uh, thought or, or motive or presupposition that it, it, it just... It invades every aspect of our lives. It's our motivation. It, it, is our, it, it compels us to live the life that you've called us to live. Father, we pray that in the knowledge of the resurrection, we know this life is not all there is. This life is a vapor. It's a blade of grass. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. But there is an eternity coming. And because of the resurrection, we can spend eternity in your presence. And we long for that day. We look forward to that time. And Father, I, I pray your blessing on each person here. And that blessing will be a double portion of your spirit, a greater understanding of who you are and what you're doing in our lives. Father, our prayer is that you will use our church to share the, to share the gospel with, uh, with Hartzell and Morgan County and the people of this area, and that we will see you add to your kingdom those that are being saved. And Father, we pray for our service later today, that it will be triumphant, that it will be celebratory, uh, that we will acknowledge the greatest event that's ever occurred in all of time, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We pray all this in His name. Amen, amen, amen.